you're either going to have culture by design or by default. And in many organizations, it's just by default. If you can control the culture in terms of making sure that there's alignment, there's clarity of expectations, there's standards, there's consistent meeting rhythms, and then you start to operate on a certain rhythm, it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Of course, you still have problems, but that's going to help keep a growing organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for a special edition episode to get Michael's take on how to navigate rapid growth while safeguarding your firm's unique culture, why setting and reinforcing clear expectations is crucial for success, and how to cultivate transparent and consistent communication as your firm scales. We're constantly looking for feedback. So there's things that happen daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And as a result of that, it helps to keep us aligned instead of just doing check-ins when we think it's appropriate to do a check-in. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Welcome back to another AMMA episode. Boom, I am so excited to do another one with you, Jessica. Another Ask Michael Mogul Anything. For those of you that are just joining the podcast, if you know, you know. But if you don't know, we do a couple different types of episodes on this podcast. Number one, we've got our standard interview format where we bring in experts from the legal industry and beyond. And those podcasts, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the traditional podcast format, we interview an expert. Then there's our Encore Editions. We bring back one of the episodes from the past three years across the hundreds of episodes that we've done, some of the most popular episodes because people join the podcast at different times. We feature those. And then finally, you're listening to it. The AMMA turns out people like it, or at least that's the feedback we've gotten, that people do enjoy these. So we'll keep doing them. That involves you all submitting your questions. Typically, you text us 404-531-7691, and then we answer your questions on the podcast. Now, having said that, you got to tell them, Jessica, about the fee. So we do not run any ads on this podcast. We get offered all the time. People want to sponsor the podcast. Of course, thousands of downloads a day, every single day, hundreds of thousands of downloads a month now. A lot of people listen to the podcast. Why would we not run sponsors? It's an opportunity to make some money, but yet we don't. And we don't because we want to be able to say whatever we want and we want to be able to feature guests uncut, unfiltered, and that they could say whatever they want. So that's very, very important. And I think that leads to a better podcast and a better product in general. We don't sell anything on here. I'm not pushing any diet pills on anybody. That being said, there is only one ask. And if you enjoy the podcast, if you gain any sort of value whatsoever, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. And that helps us reach more people. You can do it right now while you're listening to the podcast. Leave a five-star review and say, hey, Here's what I really love about the podcast or share it with someone that helps us grow. It helps us reach more people and that will help us ensure that we always keep the podcast free, no ads, no sponsors. And with that, Jessica, let's move on to the AMMA. All right. So as I sifted through all of the hundreds of questions, we're going to focus a little bit on scaling today. So 
First one, hi, Michael. As a leader, I'm facing the challenge of scaling our company while preserving our unique culture. Can you share experiences on how you've managed to maintain the essence of crisp culture during periods of rapid growth? Here's the thing. If you've got a team of three, four, five people, 10 people, it's a lot easier to keep everybody in line than it's a lot easier to maintain, I say in quotes, the culture. Because you're right next to everybody. I remember in our first office, we all sat in the same room. Yes. That is very easy to manage the culture. But then as you grow and you introduce more people into the organization, more complexity into the organization, maybe you're not seeing everybody every single day. Maybe there's certain people you meet with, but others you don't meet with. And let's say the organization grows to a point you've got over 100 people. Maybe there's people you have never even met that are on your payroll that you pay every single two weeks that you have never even met them. And this used to seem like a wild concept to me. I thought, how could that ever happen? But it happens because as your organization grows and scales, I used to interview every single person. That meant that I would meet every single person. But now we delegate authority to a lot of our leaders. So the only people that I'm meeting and interviewing are their executive leadership, right? Now, of course, to meet the whole team. But in terms from an interview standpoint, someone could get hired at Crisp and I had not met them prior to them getting hired because we're hiring all the time. The company's growing and I'm not making those hiring decisions for every single role. Otherwise, I would be a bottleneck. So how do you preserve the culture? And we hear about this with a lot of firms and they start to expand. They start to have multiple locations, multiple different practices, and sometimes in different cities or different states. And they say, hey, look, at our home base, at our worldwide headquarters, the culture is great. But in this other market, in this other location, it's like, how do we keep it consistent? Because over there, they're acting like they got a few screws loose. They're just behaving differently over there than they are over here, right? So it's just like, how do we keep this aligned? Because I can't just travel and visit every single firm every single day. I can't be in multiple places at the same time. So here's what it really comes down to. As your organization scales, you're going to have more complexity. And if you want to keep your culture aligned, you're going to also have to be able to scale yourself. And the best way to do that is your leadership team grows is to make sure that you are aligned with your leaders. So I can't possibly make sure that everybody is doing everything they need to be doing all the time, and that they're behaving in the way they need to be behaving, and that they're aligning with our values all the time because it's just impossible. I wouldn't even have the bandwidth to do it. I have the same number of hours in a day as everybody else. So we rely on our leaders and we have good rhythms where every single week we meet with our leadership team and our executive leadership team and we make sure that we are in alignment. So it's hiring the right people that you can make sure uphold the values that you've set and you've got different department heads. So as long as you are in alignment with that department head, with that leader, then they're going to pass along that same messaging and they're going to reinforce the same standards because we make sure that we are aligned on standards. There's not one person who says, well, I got A standards, but over here they got B standards. That doesn't last very long. So as long as you are united as a leadership team, let's say you're aligned with your leaders or your managers or your department heads, whatever you call them, whoever is kind of the next line of authority that's meeting one-on-one -on -one with those teams or those various team members, then you can preserve that culture as well that way. Another way to look at it is a lot of times the reason why culture starts to go off in the wrong direction is because you are tolerating certain behaviors that you previously were not tolerating. So it used to be unacceptable for people to not show up on time to your morning huddle. But now as the organization's grown, sometimes people roll in, you know, three minutes late or five minutes late or 10 minutes late, maybe only on Tuesdays or maybe on Fridays or whatever. But before you know it, that standard no longer exists. And I'm just giving an example. So as those start to erode, that also starts to change. And you know how it happened. Well, we just hired somebody that just so happened to be able to kind of show up a little bit late and then another person did and then another person did, but they were never checked, right? So now the organization as a whole sees it as acceptable to show up whenever you want. So a lot of times the culture erodes because of who you hire and then the culture also erodes because of who you don't fire. 
So meaning that if you want to preserve your culture, a lot of times initially it's because of your values, it's because of your standards. But as an organization grows, a lot of times the reason why a culture is strong and aligned versus a culture that's not strong and not aligned comes down to how you hire and how you fire. So if you are not making those right hiring decisions or especially the firing decisions, because you want to really maintain culture, you show me who are you firing. Because if you're tolerating things and you're keeping people way past their expiration date, before you know it, you start to see standards erode and then the culture erodes. And it's funny, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. We were talking and they're like, how do we maintain a level of savagery across this particular team in this department? And I said, look, if you think about, let's say professional sports, you walk into the locker room, let's say at the University of Alabama, and let's say you come in and say, oh man, do we really have to practice this hard? They look at you like you had horns on your head. Or they're like, man, can we just take a day off today? Can we just take a break? That kind of mentality would get pushed out real quick. But the problem is that organizations across the country, if that type of mentality comes into your organization and before you know it, they start to say, hey, you know what? Maybe they're right. And then another one comes in and says, maybe they're right. Maybe we should take it easy. Maybe we should serve pizza. Maybe we should have beer on tap. Everyone do whatever the hell they want, whatever they want, wherever they want. Let's just let them do that. No checks and balances, no accountability, no targets. Why do we even need KPIs? I don't like them. They seem oppressive. I don't like accountability. It makes me uncomfortable. Okay, before you know it, you start appeasing that. And guess what? Your organization goes from elite to mediocre to bottom of the barrel. How did that happen? It's because you started to tolerate those types of individuals, those types of mindsets. You have to set the tone. You have to set the standard. So the reason why you see it at like professional sports teams, why people kind of come in and become aligned immediately is because if somebody comes in and says, oh man, is it always like this? They turn to you and say, yep. And that's why we're the best. And you say, okay, I understand. This is how it is then. 100%. And I think the best way to summarize that is you endorse what you tolerate. 100%. All right. So next one, our company is growing rapidly and I'm worried that our unique culture might get lost in the process. How have you made sure that every team member at Crisp, old or new, lives and breathes your company's culture and core values? So a bit of an extension from the last one. Yeah. So in relation to the values, I'll put it this way. We are not in the business of changing anyone's values. In fact, we're not really in the business of changing people. I don't know that you can change people. People can decide to change on their own, but it requires a tremendous amount of energy and effort that quite frankly does not make sense for you to try to change anyone, right? If it's against their will. I mean, it's just silly. That would be manipulation. So we actually hire to ensure that there's value alignment. So meaning that our values and our core values in the organization are not the values for the entire world. They're not the values for every organization in the country. They're just the values for CRISP. And the people we hire, we aim to align values. So make sure that our values are their values and their values are our values, that we see things the same way and we agree that, hey, being solutions focused is a good thing. Being results driven is a good thing. Being vested in client success is a good thing. Being better than yesterday is a good thing. I'm just listing off some of our core values, but we screen for that as part of the hiring process. Then once they come in, okay, great. We know there's value alignment and we determine that there's cultural fit. But then they come in and there's the onboarding that takes place. Someone's not coming in on their first day and like, that's it, get to work. There's a span of time. We've got a whole 30, 60, 90 day plan. We lay out, here are the expectations. Here's how we're going to train and develop you. When you come in, they go through CRISP 101. Here's how we began. Here's what we're all about. Here's our product mix. Here's who we work with. All the things you have to learn to be able to be successful here and to set that person up for success. And that's the same way every single time. The onboarding is the same way every single time. Now, depending on the role, the 30, 60, 90 day plan is going to be different for someone in one department versus someone in another department. But the actual orientation really remains the same. And CRISP 101 is the same. And we continue to update that as the company grows. So we make sure that people come in. It's very much systematized and structured and delivered in a way where it's consistent. Because if you are not doing that, well, then 
Some people are getting the message while others are not. You have a lot of variability. You don't know if somebody's really brought up to speed. They don't know what the expectations are. Then their success is really a roll of the dice. But here, our aim is to make sure that the only reason why someone would not be successful is not because of a lack of information, not because of a lack of training, not because of a lack of development, but quite simply, the ball is in your court. You don't put forth the effort. That's on you. You can't control somebody's effort. So that's really what it comes down to. And then the other aspects that we look at beyond that, we need to also know that we're getting the right feedback from the people that we're investing in and that we're training and developing them properly. So we're constantly looking for feedback of how's your training going? Give us feedback on your 30-day plan, the 60-day plan, the 90-day plan. At our leadership meetings, we're constantly evaluating new hires and saying, how's this person performing? We know exactly where they stand. So a lot of it is just having the right data and insights to know how somebody is doing and really being vested in them. It's not like somebody starts and we ignore them. It's like we really, 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 especially in those first 90 days, we want to make sure that they're going to be successful to allow them to start driving value for the organization as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And one thing about any new hire is we actually have all of that developed before they even start. Honestly, before you even post a job is because we want to make sure we are setting them up for success. And the last thing you want is a new hire saying, what am I supposed to be doing? Exactly. The only reason that someone, I would say, does not like what they're doing is because they don't know what they're doing. If they come to you and they're frustrated and they're struggling, in many cases, it's just because they don't have a proven path to being successful. They just don't know what is expected of them. They don't know how to succeed. And yes, there's elements of this where you need to encourage critical thinking of them to solve problems. But clarity is kindness. And if somebody doesn't know what is expected of them, that's going to put somebody at a very variable state of saying, well, what does great look like? I don't know. What do you expect of me? I delivered X, but you were looking for Y. And then you have different definitions of what is value to you in the organization versus what is value to them. They're like, man, I thought we liked this kind of stuff and getting everybody cookies and cupcakes. You're like, no, what we were actually more interested in was getting calls set. It's just making sure that you're articulating those things on the front end and having that conversation at the very beginning, because you don't want to surprise someone 90 days in and saying, hey, it's just not a fit. And they're like, what? I've been coming in every day. I've been working hard. You're telling me it doesn't work. That should never be a surprise to anybody. No. And if you don't tell someone what great looks like, they will determine themselves what great looks like. Correct. All right. Third one today. One of the challenges of a growing company is maintaining close net relationships and open communication. How have you managed to keep the lines of communication open and maintain a sense of unity at Crisp, even as you've expanded? First and foremost, Anyone can message me at any time. We use Slack here. I know some organizations use Teams or whatever your messenger is. Anybody, you don't have to go through somebody else. You don't have to go through like some leader. Like if you have anything you want to ask me, anything you want to let me know, you can message me at any time. This is actually interesting because recently we had a team member that found out that I love to play some video games and they're like, man, what are the favorite games you're playing right now? What do you really enjoy? Because they're like, I'm playing PlayStation. Have you played these games? What do you think? And I love that I got this message because I responded and I was like, here's exactly what I'm playing. Here's what I think, man. What are you up to? What are you playing? And he's like, whoa, I did not expect that. I did not even expect to get a response. And the reality of it is I love getting messages like that. And the same way where sometimes someone's going to give me feedback that otherwise I wasn't aware of that can kind of give us some insight into certain things or things like that that kind of help you keep your ear to the ground. You want to encourage that. The other things that we do are more of like, let's say company-wide and structural where we've got our monthly all-hands meeting. This happens every single month, every single member of our team. We all meet together. The meeting typically is about two hours. It's placed at the start of the month. We all meet. We review. Here's the targets for the previous month. Here's how we're doing. Here's the wins. Here's the areas where we need for improvement. Here's where we're looking ahead for the upcoming month. Here's how we're pacing through the year. Every single team lead presents on their department. We know how everyone's doing. We do recognition based on core values. We hand out company swag every single month. We pull everybody out and we all meet together. 
And the reason why we do that is it's important for us as an organization to be aligned, to be able to pace correctly and to know it's easier to solve problems when they're small than when they start to bubble up and become big. It's like the expression that business is destroyed by paper cuts, not sledgehammers. That's one reason we do it. But then the other thing is it's like it gets everybody together. We have a lot of team members that are traveling that are sometimes off site, I mean, whether it's like video shoots or we're doing on-site trainings or workshops, whatever is going on, we're in a lot of different places all across the country all the time, but this allows us as an organization to get together. And that's extremely important. And a lot of times we pair people up with people from different departments. So it just encourages that level of diversity as well and level of collaboration. The other thing, we've got our weekly internal report that goes out every single week to every single team member. They're able to submit things like, here's what's going well, here's where I'm stuck, do I need support? And we review every single bit of feedback every, every last single one week for years. So we know exactly how somebody's doing. We even put a checkbox in there saying, hey, do you need a level of support that your team is not able to offer you? And they're able to do that. So we're always looking for feedback. And of course, we've got our morning huddles, when stuck's in focus every single morning. So there's those types of rhythms that are constantly happening. And then meetings with our leaders. So we've got our weekly leadership meeting that takes place with our executive leadership team. Then we have several same page meetings that happen with different leaders. So for example, I meet with Alex, our COO, every single week. And there's certain rhythm cadences that we have across me meeting with certain leaders in certain departments to get certain check-ins. But that happens on a consistent rhythm every single week or every other week. So there's things that happen daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And as a result of that, it helps to keep us aligned instead of just doing check-ins when we think it's appropriate to do a check-in. And then of course, the quarterly reviews. So our team also, every single person and every single team gets a quarterly review. So they know how they're doing. Are they pacing to their targets? Every single person has KPIs as well within the organization. So this stuff, if it sounds overwhelming, because as I'm saying it, I'm like, man, this is a lot. We didn't implement it all at once. I mean, it took years. We're 11 years in here. I mean, so it was one thing after the next. And we started with just the morning huddle. I think that's the simplest thing. You get everybody together and every single person, if you have a small team, states the wins from the previous day, the stuck from the previous day, and the focus for the current day. If you've got a bigger team, you're going to say, okay, well, that's going to take a really long time. So then you do it by department. Instead of every single person doing it, each department does it. And we maintain that rhythm. So you could start something as simple as that. And then you can transition to also add a all-firm meeting. We call it our all-hands meeting. We get everybody together. And that's where we're reviewing, like I said, how we performed the previous month, what our targets are for the upcoming month, how we're pacing through the year, any new initiatives we have going on. We also do an AMA, like an Ask Me Anything, similar to this format, but the team can ask me about anything at all during that. And that's an opportunity to address the team. So it gets us all in the same room on a cohesive rhythm. And that's what we found helpful. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I will say another thing with open lines of communication. So I also used to interview every single person and train and onboard every single person. I obviously can't do that anymore. So I make it an effort within their first 90 days to meet with every single one of them. So I just want to open that line of communication. That should you need anything, I must lack away. And I may not answer immediately, but you do have a direct line to me. Absolutely. I think it's just important as I talk about this, just to be intentional. So the saying is you're either going to have culture by design or by default. And many organizations, it's just by default. It just so happened that we got these people in a room together. We worked together long enough and now our culture is toxic or whatever they call it. But in reality, if you can control the culture in terms of making sure that there's alignment, there's clarity of expectations, there's standards, there's consistent meeting rhythms, people have clarity, they've got KPIs and targets, and then you start to operate on a certain rhythm, it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Of course, you still have problems, but... That's going to help keep a growing organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. Absolutely. And one other thing I actually do, too, is like JM office hours. So once a month, we just kind of open up. If somebody wants to meet with me, they go through the assistant. But it could be literally about anything. I've had it for mentorship. I've had it 
for someone to have me look at their spouse's print, whatever it might be. But still, again, just making sure that you're not an absent owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's it. That's it for this AMMA. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at gamechangingattorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com. Oh, 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 oh,